Welcome to Heather Ewing, the Commercial Real Estate Rundown. I am your host, Heather Ewing, and today I am excited to share with you, I have Keely Hubbard all the way from beautiful Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Keely. Thank you, Heather. I've been looking forward to this. I'm glad to be here. Definitely. I have been too. So I know about you. We've met through LinkedIn more recently, and I'm I'm a big fan already. I love your sales tips, and I love wine as well. Yes. <laughs> so why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about you so they can understand? Yes, definitely. Um, so sales background, I've been in sales for 18 years. I built a pretty big career in corporate and you know, thought that my goal was to reach the top of the mountain and I got there and I didn't really like the view. So I decided that it was time to go and do my own thing. And I started my own coaching and consulting firm and I work with a lot of different business owners. If uh, having a sales conversation to close the deal is what's required in your business, that is my wheelhouse, especially people that uh, know they need to sell, you know, to generate revenue, but they hate it. Uh, those are the people that I really enjoy working with because most people are terrified of sales um, but just teaching them a way to do it where it's authentic and you're really serving your clients and making a lot of money at the same time. That's why we're in business. Um, but I'm also a real estate investor with my father. We uh, build, develop, and operate vineyards in Texas. So we've got close to a thousand acres in development right now and growing wine grapes to sell to Texas wineries. So having the best time and very grateful for all the all the things that are going on. Definitely. No, it sounds like a great combination, I would say. Yes, it is. So what started you on the path of sales? How did you end up in that arena? You know, I feel like it happened, like I didn't pursue it. So when I went to college, I thought I wanted to be a news anchor. So I went broadcast journalism and was a reporter for TCU News Now. And I just, I when I heard that you had to start out in a very small town in the middle of the night, making like $30,000 a year, I was like, I don't think I want to do this. And anymore. So I switched my career and I didn't really know what I wanted. I just did communication studies and found my way into a sales role at a country club and doing events, right? Big golf tournaments and charity events and weddings. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. And um, but got into high ticket sales when my family bought a franchise in uh, Austin, Texas. And so it's kind of thrown into the fire at that point to really figure out what I was capable of and uh, just really honed my skills there. Eventually became VP of sales for that company and had 600 salespeople and just a ton of, ton of experience, loved it. And, um, but I really learned that I was good at coaching it and teaching it too. And I think that's where the real fulfillment and joy came from. Right. Well, 600, that, that is a sizable group to have under you. Yes. So if you don't mind me asking, so what, what age were you when you had all of that responsibility? I was 29. Yeah, it was um, it was a wild ride how it all happened, but and you know, salespeople are pretty ornery, so it was it was interesting. <laughs> I think HR departments are the most wary of salespeople in general, but uh, we had a lot exactly. of fun. We had a lot. It's of fun. it's a wide range, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, what would you say, having that experience under your belt? What are some of the resources that really helped you to get up to speed? in a very quick, you know, short amount of time and also overcome the, the hurdles of age, right? Because yeah. there's, there's definitely nuances and stereotypes and things of that nature. So what would you say were some of the tools that helped you get there? Yes. I love that. 
you know, I didn't come on board into the company as VP. I came in as sales trainer and basically took what I had built in our franchise and they wanted to roll it out to the entire company. And so I was able to grow the company from 40 million a year to 220 million a year over a period of four years, which is where all these salespeople came from and growing, expanding teams and all those amazing things. But I didn't know when I first started that I could teach it. Like I knew it worked for me. I knew what my sales process was and my style, but I wasn't sure that I could coach it. And so it was really an exercise in figuring out, okay, how do you take what you do and put it into a format where other people can understand it and have confidence that they can execute it as well? I carried my sales mm-hmm. coach from when I, I hired him when I was selling in the franchise for my family. And he followed me into my corporate career and eventually became my executive coach. And coaching for me is huge. Like I I still I rehired him back in January, all these years later. I just he's amazing and has so many talents. And I've got multiple coaches myself. And so mm-hmm. I truly believe you, you need that for people to show you your blind spots. I took a lot of assessments. He was a big believer in assessments when I was on that trajectory for vice president, he was like, we need to start right. doing some skill assessments. Cause I had, I'd never hired director level positions before. It was all these things that I, I didn't know how to do. And so I'm grateful for coaches. I think that's my number one resource, um, for expanding and the success trajectory. And kudos to you. That's a great awareness because what I've noticed and you know, I'll admit in the past, it was kind of like you try to muscle through everything on your own and, you know, dig in deep and all of this. And you think about it, all of the successful people of history, of current and future forward, they all have coaches. And it makes sense to illustrate your point of we all have blind spots. We all need to be around, if you want to say that upgraded vision, the energy and to really keep us moving. And and call us on the BS when when we're in that headspace too, right? <laughs> yes, he's really good at that. His uh, <laughs> his go to line is Keely. How do I tell you something that you don't want to hear, and you're probably going to be mad at me for it, but we're still friends at the end? And I'm always like, just say it. Like, exactly. what is it, right? Like, what are my blind spots? So I appreciate laying out. Yeah, I'm the same way too because it's like you might as well get to the heart of the matter. To your point, <laughs> so you can wash it out, and you know perform at a higher level. So that is big. What do you find for mindset, right? You've got a great coach, coaches in other arenas, things of that nature. How do you keep your mindset focused, clear, and really performing at such a high level as you've illustrated? Well, not perfect. I definitely have my days. (laughs) I don't think anybody is uh, completely exempt from head trash is what I'd like to call it. I teach a lot on that in sales, especially in a sales role. You can know all the mm-hmm. strategy, but to be able to really execute it, it's what's going on between your ears and what you believe to be true about yourself, about the economy, about your business, about what's possible, about your clients, about prospects, like all those things play into your ability to execute strategies. And so I do a lot of work, just the, you know, the personal growth journey. I've done so many Tony Robbins events, Joe Dispenza. Yes. I study a yeah. lot of that stuff. I know that our this brain of ours is very powerful, but it's also very can be very detrimental if left to its own devices. <laughs> that reptilian <laughs> brain that is the default that is goes into survival mode. What's missing? Not enough time, not enough money, mm-hmm. not enough clients. And we go mm-hmm. there automatically unless we make the decision to decide what to believe to be true about ourselves, to show up as the person we need to be today in our business to get to that goal that's three to five years down the road. So mm-hmm. it is a daily practice for me of what do I need? Who do I need to be today to Which get is- to that goal down the road? 
Which is a very valid and important point. And that's where, too, the word that you mentioned was decision. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, sales, entrepreneurship, you know, any of those arenas where if you're not forming a clear decision, how do you ever manage what you say yes and no to? And no wonder why you're mired in the muck, right? Of yeah. really not knowing where to go and, and how to effectively do that. So I think that's a great point. Yes. What would you say is, um, right? So when I like the head trash term too, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> So what's something that you recommend to your different salespeople, people that you work with, you know, when they are in that trashy uh, headspace, what's maybe one, one or two things that help them get, get out of that? Usually a reframe. It's like addressing what are we really afraid of? So I was mm-hmm. doing a coaching session with clients in the capital raising space for real estate. And we always start out with like, what do you want to celebrate? What are you proud of? Because we oftentimes don't do that as business owners. And then Mm -hmm. after that, it's what are your calls for help? Like, what do you need help with? And Mm -hmm. I've noticed because I spend so much time on mindset that they're comfortable at a place now where they'll just raise their hand and say, I need a pep talk. Like I'm in a funk and I don't know why. (laughs) So time there. And usually it's like, I'm in the middle of a live raise. I don't, I just feel funky about it. I'm behind. I don't want to call my investors. I don't want to bother them. And so it's just talking through it. Like, what are you really afraid of? And when you get down to the root of it, it's typically... I'm afraid that I'm not going to be enough for what I've committed to in my business and this raise and the goal and to help them change that frame of mind. If I don't want to bother my investors or I'm terrified, terrified of the outcome to I'm a fourth quarter champion. I win no matter what. And so what decisions do we have to make today to get to the finish line? And I need that stuff. That's why I have coaches, but it's usually just, it's that reptilian brain of ours. That's just trying to warn us of danger. And so it's like, Hey, I appreciate you. I actually named my inner bully, Barbara. I know that sounds crazy, but (laughs) call her Barb, you know, I don't even know why, which I actually have a client now and her name is Barbara and she's the sweetest woman ever. And so I need to tell her that I'm like, it has nothing to do with you, but I named her Barb. I'm like, listen, Barb, I appreciate you trying to protect me, but we're going this way today. So get in the back seat. (laughs) You're not the one making decisions today. So I think it's acknowledging it and just saying, oh, okay. That's just, it's just trying Mm -hmm. to protect me, but I've still had to take action despite the fear. Right. Action's a big, big part of it. And I think too, to your point of knowledge is key. The whole reptilian brain, things like that, for people that aren't aware of some of these basic measures of biology and things like that, to be able to understand it of why the heart's racing and why you have these different feelings. And, and then as you said, to override that with the necessary action, that really can help someone propel forward, especially if they're in a stuck space. Yeah, I feel it's very very freeing to realize that I am not my thoughts. Like whatever thoughts are going through my mind, especially if they're anxious thoughts, worried about things, it's like those don't belong to me and I get to decide what I want to think today. So it's like being able to step back and watch them pass by and just say, oh, okay, it's just trying to protect me, but I'm going to decide to believe this instead. You don't feel so trapped anymore and you have more control of your emotional state. Yep curate your life, right? And it's by the the thoughts that you choose to think and redirecting. So I think that's an important point. So if you were to go back into a time machine, this leads right into it. What is something that you would have told yourself, say, 5, 10, 15 years ago to help you through? Gosh, I would have told myself to have more joy in the process. Like I put so much pressure on myself in my career 
to attain things that I perceived were success, right? I want to become VP mm -hmm. of sales by the time I'm 30. And in my mind, I was like, okay, that means I'm worth something. I was attaching my worth to significance and certainty in my role. And it's interesting is when I quit corporate, I went through this process of like, who am I? Because I had so much wrapped up in I'm worthy because I'm this person in this company, which I've realized today is so, so different. Joy and fulfillment do not come from those places. They come from growing and giving back. And I just have a much slower pace of life now and realize that you don't have to give up everything to get to the next level in your business doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your relationships, your health, your peace of mind. Like you can have joy and have fun in the process and, you know, expand to levels that you didn't think were imaginable. We, we get out of this hustle culture. I was so much in the hustle and grind mm -hmm. of corporate. And so probably would have told myself to enjoy the ride more mm -hmm. and just like, you know, I know it sounds cliche, stop and smell the roses, but like, stop and look around, like, Look at what you've accomplished instead of just driving, driving, driving to the next, the next level. Cause I took a lot of the fun out of it. Yeah. Well, and with the pushing, right. And it makes sense of you're pushing so hard because you've got your goals, you're hitting the different goals. You naturally want to go up to the next level, to the bigger dreams. And it's something I can relate to too, is of not celebrating. Because in my mind, too, it was just like, well, what are you celebrating? This is what's expected. This is what you do, right? If you want to have a good career and all these different elements. So celebration is something I've been more cognizant of also of celebrating even the actions, right? Necessar not even tied to the outcomes per se, but it's the showing up for yourself, for your clients, for these other things that are really important that I think we just throw by the wayside frequently. Yeah. We suck all the fun mm -hmm. out of it. It's like, what's right? the point? What's the point of having a business if it's not fun? There should be joy in the midst of it. Fun factor is an important aspect of it. And if you think about it too, right? It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. It's a marathon, as you know, with investing. Um, it's really taking, you know, going through the due diligence, taking the holistic view with the numbers and um, expending resources then in, in the right area. So tell us more about your vineyard investments. Oh my gosh. We have so much fun. We're in the middle of harvest right now, the end of harvest at one of the vineyard blocks. It's 350 acres, but it's, um, I'm a seventh generation Texan. Like if you've never met an obnoxious Texan that loves their state, I'll be the first. <laughs> <laughs> like what is it with you Texans and your pride? Um, but I just, you know, my family's lived here. We go back to settling, you know, Texas. And so I just have this pride for my family, you know, the state and leaving a legacy. And there's this huge opportunity to do that in the state because we don't have enough uh, wine grapes. We have massive wine economy here, like $20 billion wine economy here. Right. And huge industry. But our grape farmers can't keep up because we're just decades behind California. Everything's being done by hand. We don't do things with machines. Um, wow. And that's what we did. We just, our partners brought machines in about eight years ago and kind of took California methodology, brought it to Texas and then brought us on board to help expand it. So we'll be the okay. biggest vineyard operator in the state of Texas in about two years. And it's, um, that's wonderful. It's so exciting. Like investors love it. It's I've met the most wonderful people. It's hard to describe, but there's something spiritual about a vineyard, just standing in the midst of like 300 acres and all of these grapes on the, and you can walk down each row and 
taste different varietals and it's just incredible. It's probably the most fun investment we've ever done. It would be really neat. I mean, it's definitely a, a heartfelt and also a creative endeavor as well. Yes. Um, so what about mixing some of the different varietals, you know, trying some of that, right? Getting a little more artsy. Some you probably yeah. are like, oh, this might, this might have legs and others are like, okay, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that is one of the perks is we have like really great relationships with the wineries and always get cases of our, our product of where our grapes are going. So that is a good side benefit. That is great. Definitely. So, you know, as far as your why, right, it's, um, it's really serving on a broader scale is what it sounds like, you know, initially, in the in the beginning, it was kind of like, you want to make money, which we all do it, right? Especially when we're younger, it's such a big focus. And it seems like over time, you um, find some of the other intrinsic values and also what's important. So share a little bit more with us on your why. It's definitely changed over the years. <laughs> That's for sure. Right. And, right. you know, I, I hired a life coach at one point when I was in corporate and just emotionally spinning, like not happy. Yeah. Why am I not happy? And he kept asking me this question, uh, who are you? And I'd answer mm -hmm. it with like, oh, I'm, you know, this in my role and VP of sales. Right. Like, forget about that. Who are you? And right. then so I, he just kept stripping these layers and he really helped me figure out at my core, like what makes me feel fulfilled is mm -hmm. inspiring hope and joy in every person that I come across. Like if it's a piece of my story, if it's giving them the confidence that they can do it, whatever it is they're going after or tackling, if it's making them laugh, my family, I think I'm a comedian in my family. My dad and I compete because my dad is like the, you know, token comedian, but I just <laughs> like to make people laugh and have a good time. Mm -hmm. And like, I spent so many years sucking the joy out of my own journey that I just want to infuse it into everybody else's. And so I really believe that's my why is leaving people better. When they leave a conversation with me, they feel inspired, they feel confident, they feel lighthearted, and there's joy in it. Which is a huge benefit. That's, I mean, that speaks to people everywhere, because I think, especially in, you know, in the brokerage and investing, all those different areas, there's there's high stakes. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of upside. There's a lot of downside. And humor definitely helps to keep the energy higher, keep it moving forward, keeping people, if you want to say really in their, in a great mindset. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're going to come up with those creative problem solving solutions and things of that nature. So kudos to you for making that a priority. That's, that's important. Definitely. So so as far as your coaching and things like that, share more of how do you work with people? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are obviously in sales on both of our LinkedIn and finding a good coach is not always easy. Um, there's a lot of people that talk that really don't have the numbers to back it up. And so that's one of the things, you know, I, I really like about you as well is it, you're proven great personality, great connections, uh, you know, a good person, right? Because that does matter. Yes. There's a lot of smart people, but some that you really don't want to, one, be associated with, or two, <laughs> um, just different philosophies. Um, so what are some ways that you work with people through your, your sales coaching? Yeah, you're so right that it has, right. To be the, it has to be the right fit from both sides. And, right. you know, I think I've learned over the years, the more that I show up is like 100% authentic, who I am, 
quirky goofball <laughs> got the track record, but I also like to have fun. Like your tribe finds you, the people that really resonate with you. And so I've got an incredible uh, group of clients that are in a coaching program together. And then I do one-on-one as well, but the ones that are in group coaching together, it's, I look at all of them and I'm like, wow, like I was a magnet. That was my prayer. Like I'm a magnet for my ideal client that I love working with. And they're, they're all becoming friends. And like, just the energy of the group is so incredible. So I do group coaching uh, for capital raising specifically. And then I do sales coaching with corporations, but also individual business owners. So I've coached uh, multifamily mortgage brokers that have closed billions. I've coached uh, cybersecurity salespeople that are doing <laughs> million dollar transactions with corporations, interior designers, realtors, architects, like anything that requires a conversation to close a deal. That's my wheelhouse. And people mm-hmm. that really want to serve their clients and not just sell for revenue. They've got the bigger vision and the impact of what they want their business to really do for people. Th- those are my people. That's who I'm looking for. Right now, which is great. And where do you see, you know, the evolution of coaching going, let's say, you know, five, 10 years, how do you see it changing? Obviously with, with zoom and everything, right. It really opens the doors on a national international basis. Is there anything that pops into your mind of how it might be shifting in the upcoming five, 10 years? I see from a price point perspective, I see that starting to come down coaching when it first started was pretty high ticket, you know, and I certainly um, expensive (laughs) to work with. I'm not ashamed of that, but I, I do think that there's, I think there's a movement and I am working on it in my own business too, to make coaching available to people where it's more accessible. Mm -hmm. Cause oftentimes the people that need it aren't the ones that can write $20,000 checks, right. Or join a $50,000 mastermind. So finding ways to make it more accessible where people can say, you know, I'm a part of six different coaching programs and I love all the communities within them because I can afford to get into six different coaching programs. So I really see a movement in that direction. And um, we're definitely in a coaching culture. There's more and more creators and kind of self-education coming online, which excites me. Like anything you need help with, there's definitely an expert out there that can help you do it. I was at, I'm going to tell you this quick story, I was at Kajabi, which is the coaching platform that I use, Brennan Burchard, who's a huge creator, life coach. Yes. Love him. Yes. We got his conference and they were, they were talking about like how niche people get in coaching. And they mm-hmm. had a client that had a million dollar, multi-million dollar business. And what they taught was so niche. So you've ever seen the dancing horses? at shows where the horse is prancing. Yes. Okay, yes. Well, this person teaches ab exercises for those horses that dance in these competitions <laughs> and they're a multi-million dollar business. So I'm like, that is incredible. That, yeah, that is. Yeah. I, I like, mean, I'll admit good. I'm not even doing ab exercises myself. So horses are apparently <laughs> the horse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is great. Well, Kaylee, this is the perfect segue go ahead, share with our audience, how do they connect with you for coaching? If they have questions on the investment or the coaching, what's the yeah. best way to reach you? Just find me keelyhubbard.com. That's all the coaching stuff or find me out. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, which is how we met. I love that. Love yes. For those reasons. Um, Definitely. It's like you can, we have a investinvines.com is probably the best place to head over if you're interested in learning more about the vineyards. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And for our audience, as always, look for us next week and now and forward, live fully. Thank you. Thanks, Keely. Thank you, Heather.